a United Methodist response to the attempted coup on the United States Capitol on January 6, 2021, is the topic of conversation on episode number 42 of the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, featuring a conversation with Indiana Area Bishop Julius Tremble, who speaks about his letter to Martin Luther King Jr. in the light of the January 6th uh, attacks, and with the General Secretary of the Board of Church and Society of the United Methodist Church, Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow, and her call for the Senate to convict and bar former President Trump from holding public office again. This is our topic here today on the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 42. So I felt very prayerful and very deliberate when I wrote that because I knew it would not speak well to many people who supported him, which I had no problem with people who voted for Trump. The problem was the incendiary language uh, and the history of the language that was insightful. So that was the issue to which I was largely speaking. Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People Podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. I'm a local United Methodist elder in the Indiana Conference who who has a heart for strengthening the connection to the United Methodist Church to help us to achieve our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Right now, though, friends, I just have to share with you that I can't help but continue to think about the events of January the 6th, 2021, when a group of folks who were followers of uh, former President Trump stormed the United States Capitol with the intent of overturning a duly, uh, legally, and lawfully, and fairly run election. They were looking to overturn that. There was violence. There was desecration of the Capitol. There were windows broken. There was shots fired. There were people beaten. People died. And our whole way of life as a United States government was threatened. People's lives were threatened. Our legislatures and senators and our vice president were all threatened. And it got my attention about what was the role of the church. How do we respond to this? How do we do that as local pastors? How do we do it as United Methodist Christians? And what do we do, really, what do we do about the number of people who really manipulated and uh, the name of Jesus Christ and of the church to do things that are just totally against, at least from my way of thinking, 
the Christian message. I think we need to be mindful of these things and to see how we can respond as our United Methodist leaders and we as clergy and leaders in the United Methodist Church are those folks who need to respond to this. In today's episode number 42, we're talking with two leaders of the church who can help give us some direction by their responses. We have Bishop Julius Trumbull, who wrote a letter to Martin Luther King, which came out on Martin Luther King holiday. In this letter, he talks about the need for the restoration of the beloved community and how that can be a part of what we are about. And he speaks about how his heart is both is broken by what he has shared and by the things that he has seen uh, happening in our world. We need to be mindful about those things. And he gives some great poignant commentary about this, and we're going to share about that in our podcast. Bishop Tremble served churches in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio area, and was elected to the Episcopacy and served in Iowa before coming to Indiana in 2016. We're also going to hear from Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow in her role as the General Secretary of the United Methodist Church, uh, the Board of Church and Society. She responded with a article on uh, January 13th calling for the barring of President, uh, former President Trump to serve in public office. Very insightful commentary in her article that she wrote. And she's going to be talking to us about that article and about her own faith journey as well. She has served the United Methodist Church and local churches in South Carolina and as the dean of the chapel at Emory University before coming to serve as a general secretary of the Board of Church and Society. And her office is located on Capitol Hill. And that gives her an up-close and personal view and perspective of the insurrection that happened on January 6th that you're going to want to hear about. So it's important to hear these things. There's also going to be a full transcript. There is a full transcript of the interview, of the conversation I had with Bishop Trimble and uh, General Secretary uh, Susan Henry Crow, as well as other connections that, that you can make and connections to these articles at our pod, at our website, which is unitedmethodistpodcast.com. This is all designed here, friends, to help to hear the response of some of our United Methodist leaders to help us form our own responses. And I'm going to come back at the end of our conversation here today with a great response and a great quote from John Wesley himself, who you're going to want to hear as well. But right now, it's important to hear the response of Bishop Tremble and General Secretary Susan Henry Crow as we form our own responses as the church and clergy in such a time as this. So please join me in this conversation right now. We're pleased on our ongoing series of podcast episodes about being encouraged to have Bishop Julius Trimble from the Indiana area with us. And today, our special guest is the General Secretary of the Board of Church and Society, Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow. Welcome to the United Methodist People podcast, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Good to have you here with me. And we are recording this. Uh, many times I like to make our podcasts kind of evergreen. They can be listened to any time. But today I just did want to mention that we are talking the day after the inauguration of President Biden, and it has some pertinent significance to the topics we're going to be talking about, about the impact of what's going on in our world and in our church and society. And I know recently, Bishop, you wrote an article about Martin, a letter to Martin Luther King Jr., which you have done 
uh, on other occasions, and it was a very powerful, moving le- uh, message. And then, uh, Susan, other times you, or just recently, you wrote an article, or wrote a uh, post regarding the uh, uh, impeachment, or or about having uh, called the bar president, former President Trump, from public office. And so we're going to touch on those things, but. Susan, I really like to always start our times together by hearing a little bit about a faith story. And if you don't mind, would you mind sharing a little bit how you came to know Jesus Christ in the first place and how you come to serve God through the church in this role that you're in right now? Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you both today. Um, I am a child of the United Methodist Connection. I uh, am a cradle Methodist and grew up in various um, settings of the church that were pushing me into ministry and calling me and we all know how God puts us in all kinds of places that we never expect uh, to come out the same way that we go in but I grew up in a wonderful uh, two wonderful churches one in Asheville North Carolina and then in Greenville South Carolina and was uh, influenced by directors of Christian education and ministers and a community that really shaped my faith. And Jesus kept calling me all along the way uh, to think about ways in which I would serve the world. A couple of uh, places that I want to mention. One, when I was in high school, I served on Johns Island, South Carolina in a migrant ministry program. Um, And it was a very important time both to get to know some of the people of Johns Island Uh, who I still stay in touch with uh, after low these many years. That was a very formative experience. My own college experience um, in a Wesley Foundation at a state-supported women's college in South Carolina, Winthrop, continued to deepen my faith. Um, But one experience when I was in high school, um, my church youth group went to the United Nations seminar program And it happened to be right at the time of the Six-Day War in the Middle East. And there, as a 16-year-old, I was with my um, peers from my church as we saw uh, King Hussein of Jordan get out of his car and walk into the UN building. And I remember that day thinking that the church had given me a wonderful opportunity to see a larger world and that I would be kind of restless. if I kept my world too small. And I think that was one of the moments that I really felt God tugging at me um, to look at service in the world in a larger way. I went on to seminary, not expecting to go into pastoral ministry because there weren't very many women in pastoral ministry, but one thing led to another and I served churches for nine years in South Carolina. And then I worked with uh, Bishop Joseph the Thay of blessed memory um, for six years on the Council on Ministries. Uh, he and I did re- cross-racial appointments, which in those days were pretty hard to do, uh, but worked very closely with him. And then I went to Emory University and served as the Dean of the Chapel for a long time. And when I had this opportunity to go to Washington uh, to serve the Board of Church and Society on behalf of the church, I was really delighted to do that. Hmm. Well, Susan, you and I have something in common that I did the United Nations seminar myself when I was in high school, and that was a very formative experience uh, for me. 
Well, thank you for sharing your, your faith story. And now you serve the church as the general secretary of the board of church and society. And there's been a lot of things going on in the world. Hasn't there the last several years, but particularly the last uh, year or so. And you chose to respond to some of the things going on in the world by a, a, a powerful uh, post that you wrote regarding uh, former president uh, Trump. And uh, would you just say a word about that and about, why you felt compelled to write that in your, it's particularly out of your role in church and society. And then Bishop, if you don't mind, maybe you can follow up with that about where we want to go with that. Sure. Um, Being at the board is a wonderful platform to see many things that are happening around the world. And I have been there seven years, almost exactly. And I have had the great good fortune and blessing to see many things happen around the world and at the capital of the United States. Um, I try to balance what I say both in a pastoral way um, as well as in keeping the church's voice alive in a prophetic way. Uh, Back in the summer, I wrote a piece that I really loved writing, which was kind of a tribute to the people who have died in the faith. Um, Ginsburg, and John Lewis and George H.W. Bush and Cummings and others. So that was one of the pastoral moments that I really talked about things that I had seen on the Capitol. And um, Joseph Lowry was also included in that. And those um, people of faith who have less left and gone on before, Um, I have refrained from saying anything about President Trump until this last time. Uh, I've been very careful to be nonpartisan as the church is. And it was not as much about anything that he did other than um, continue to use um, incendiary rhetoric to incite a riot and what some have called sedition or certainly an insurgency. And the events of that day were so horrific. And it was a violation, uh, not only to the buildings and the public servants who live there and work there, but also to democracy itself. Um, I tried to be careful. The impeachment had already happened when when the article came out. Um, So I was trying to urge thoughtfulness on, do we want him Uh, former President Trump to ever be able to serve in a federal uh, public role again. And I think on behalf of the church, because we have always uh, supported nonviolent protest, and this was far beyond protest, that it does not serve the public good. It does not serve the faith, nor does it serve democracy to have one that is so incendiary um, leading in that kind of capacity. So I felt very prayerful and very deliberate when I wrote that because I knew it would not speak well to many people who supported him, which I had no problem with people who voted for Trump. The problem was the incendiary language uh, and the history of the language that was insightful. So that was the issue to which I was largely speaking. Mm -hmm. And Bishop, I know that you had some thoughts about 
this whole area area of uh, of justice and so on, particularly what's reflected in your letter to Martin Luther King, which you put in a, a recent post that you made. And I was just wondering how you respond to this whole issue that came into our country, and particularly if you have any questions or any conversation you want to have with Susan in this matter. I don't want to. I, I want to say that we we are all kindred on this. I, w- I went to a United Nations seminar in 1985. Wow. I was already I was a young pastor at that time, um, and it was in and and the and our seminar leader was your predecessor Jim Winkler. Uh, so and the focus was on South Africa and apartheid. So that really kind of really kind of uh, energized me. I, I I grew up in a local church. Um, where our pastor, our pastor was very much a social activist. So, but uh, that that as a pastor going to that United Nations United Methodist United Nations seminar kind of opened my eyes around uh, apartheid, and we heard we heard people from South Africa uh, who who were living under apartheid at the time uh, give witness. I first want to I want to commend uh, General Secretary Susan Henry Crow. I think her her writing has been. Uh, impeccable and timely and and I have noticed and I've tried to follow her lead as well you know I have not been critical of presidents in the past I, I, we did we did both protest under Obama because of deportation so I don't think that uh, elected officials should be exempt from from public accountability uh, but I, I thought uh, your letter uh, your article was powerful and poignant uh, and certainly, but because you also connected the dots to to white supremacy and, and racism and the kind of toxic environment that that predates uh, former President Trump as well, uh, I, I'd be interested in just hearing uh, uh, Susan speak about the building that you work in. Many United Methodists have never traveled to the United Methodist building or wouldn't even know that there is such a thing. But where it's located in, in relation to your article in, in my letter to King, I make reference to what happened across the street from that building. If you make a comment about that building and what it symbolizes, uh, then I'll comment on my letter after that. I want to thank you for your letter. Uh, it's it's always beautifully written and moving. And this year particularly, I think it was just so um meaningful to have you write that way and thank you for your service to the board of church and society when you served on the board and you and i've done things together as well um the building is a treasure for the united methodist church and our predecessor bodies uh it was um thought of in 1916 Uh, And the office of what now is the building was several blocks over. But in 1923, the building was built for the Methodist church and the Methodist people. Um, And it has belonged to the church since that time. And we will be celebrating the um, 100th anniversary very soon. Inside of that building uh, has been the Methodist witness on behalf of the church for 100 years. EBCS uh, um, is located in the building and many other faith communities are in the building and are Lutherans, Presbyterians, Seventh-day Adventists, United Church of Christ, and many other entities. Um, 
live and work in the building. And so the building is the only um, not non-federal uh, governmental building on the Hill. And even in the past two weeks, the Capitol Hill police have encased it and secured it. So they even claimed it as a place that they thought worthy of being secured, which is not always the case. Uh, but it has become a treasure on the Hill with um, being the neighbor, right next door neighbor to the Supreme Court and the Library of Congress. And we are in conversations both with the Supreme Court staff and the Library of Congress about ways that we can engage with sort of public witness on literacy or other things um, that we all have common cause with. And so the location is such a precious location to have a Methodist voice, not only in the United States, but worldwide. Um, sometimes we're asked to do things on behalf of uh, Methodist people from other countries. The DRC um, and the bishop from that area has uh, asked for our help from time to time. Bishop Longay, who is also a member of our board from the DRC, Bishop Allstep served on the board. And so it has both a worldwide presence as well as a very strong national presence. Thank you. And it's a stone's throw. We don't want to talk about throwing stones, but it's a, it's a birds, a short birds fly uh, or a long walk across the street to the Capitol. So uh, often uh, uh, when people go to there, go to that. Uh, Brad, I, I wrote a letter to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the, in the kind of historic vein that your former bishop, Bishop Woody White, for many years uh, did that. I in fact, I talked to him after writing the letter. He had said the last one he wrote was three years ago. And I know several other people have written letters to King. Uh, and I just felt moved to do that because of what happened uh, January the 6th. I, I also uh, encouraged pastors who were, who were kind of struggling around what should they preach on. Uh, I think... Uh, I suggest that people remember that I think it was baptism of the Lord Sunday coming up next. And so that if one really just leaned into the lectionary text, what does it mean to be a baptized believer? And if you look at our baptismal uh, ritual, it says right in the, in the ritual, you know, that we do you believe in God and are you willing to speak against justice, injustice of all forms in which it presents itself. So one could, one could literally stay firm on the Bible and I also uh, encourage people, uh, Susan, to, to take advantage of our social principles uh, and our social creed, which is part of our United Methodist witness. So uh, people don't have to be uh, uh, what I call extremists in order to be prophetic and relevant. Uh, if you're in a United Methodist church, if you, if you, if you preach from the lectionary, in, in this case, if you lean into the social principles and our social creed, or if you look at the gospel of Jesus Christ when he says, you know, I've come that we might have life and have it in its fullest, or, or the Luke text where he says, I come to uh, the, declare the, the uh, spirit of the Lord and to proclaim release to the captives, then we're on solid ground. Um, we're on solid ground when we call people to love God and love, love our neighbors. One of the challenges I've always felt, Brad, was that We've, we've, uh, as other scholars have said, we've, we've kept Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. frozen on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. 
And so we only, we only quote excerpts from his I Have a Dream speech, which is great. And it's great for, as a teaching point for children and communication classes. But it actually, in the last days of his life, he wasn't extremely popular with the church and certainly not the government because of his, uh, his words relative to the Vietnam War and his decision that the priority ought to be people in poverty. And for some, that wasn't the most popular thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that leads us to what we really need to chat about here is the church, is the United Methodist Church in particular, and our role in this changing world and our, world and our societal ills, be it racism, be it uh, corruption, be it uh, the COVID crisis, all these things. And how we and how so much of it of as one of the things you say, uh, Susan, has been misappropriated uh, faithful things. How can the church? How can we be the church, even in these strange times, and speak to these social ills, given some of the tensions within the the body of the church right now? And I know Susan, if you could speak to that a little bit about how this dynamic in the church is just crazy sometimes. Um. Thank you for asking that question. Um, I think there are three things that I would say about that, and I could say plenty more. I think the bishop is right about King at the end, really saying that we had to address economic injustice. And that is one of the mandates that we have and one of the things that we do. Right now, we have six priorities. Well, we have five priorities, four ground on racism uh, and addressing race. But our other priorities are peace, poverty, health, immigration, and climate. And so our work is around those areas. Uh, And there's plenty of work to do, both in uh, the Obama administration, in the Trump administration, and in the Biden administration. Um, We will have our work cut out for us on all of those things. Let me focus for just a minute on health because of the year that we have had. Um, It has been a difficult year for everyone. And we know what a terrible impact the pandemic has had worldwide. Uh, The United Methodist Church has long stood for health care. And Bishop Trimble, I know, remembers uh, when the board was very, very active uh, under the leadership, really, of uh, Cynthia Abrams, as she worked very closely in passing um, the Affordable Care Act. Um, And now, more than ever, we need to continue to strengthen that because it's uneven in various states. And we will continue our work picking up the mantle today on health care as we continue to work for the most vulnerable people, children, and those who have disabilities and mental health issues who do not always have health care. So health will be an issue that we pick up almost immediately with the new Congress. Uh, the last thing I do want to say is many people from uh, your conference bishop have come to the building I would like to invite many more to come. Um, It is such a treasure and we always welcome uh, 
United Methodists from across the world. And I appreciate those from the Indiana Conference that have come and we want many more to come and young people to be involved in the internship programs. So we have very concrete ways that we want to encourage involvement in the ministry of the church in this really important connection. Are you still doing the, uh, there? Is it like the young clergy uh, gatherings where they come in for a couple of days and get introduced to? Yeah, we, uh, we do do it. Um, we are not doing it this year, of course. Right. Uh, but we are thinking about doing it online. We've had several seminars online and they have had great participation. When groups come to the building, we can usually have 40 or 50 people. Uh, we've had several hundred people um, on some of the seminar programs that we've had. So we're finding that Zoom can help us, but it doesn't take the place from coming to the building in person. And mm -hmm. so we do... Um, We'll have the young clergy, we'll have an ongoing seminar programs, and we have ethnic young adults that come to work for the summer. Um, so those are all very uh, important programs that we covet your support. Mm. Bishop, I wanted to ask you uh, in the next minute or two here to comment about something that you wrote in your article, and I think it applies to what uh, Susan is sharing here about the church and society. And this is the matter of what you call uh, your, your, your basically your pain and glory sightings, but they include distorted Christianity and kind of how that kind of mixes with toxic nationalism and how that comes together in, uh, in King's understanding of the beloved community and how we can start to make some sense of that moving forward. And I would just like you to speak to this area of the Christian uh, Christianity, as some people know it now, and beloved community. I think when I made reference to the distorted, distorted Christianity, they were symbols and signs of at the at the uh, attack on the Capitol, people carrying Jesus flags and then also wearing sweatshirts that was uh, you know denouncing the reality of the Holocaust, uh, which I, I just think was uh, abhorrent. Um, to be carrying a, a, a Jesus flag and then to be a, attacking uh, elected or attempting to attack elected officials uh, for the sake of maybe a, the, your, your belief that the election was not right. So I think that it, it by distorted Christianity, I mean, it, anyone that would believe that that would take hold of the Matthew text where Jesus, when the question is asked, what is our greatest commandment? it always comes back to loving God and loving neighbor as ourselves. So, um, you know, I quote first John in there in terms of uh, uh, you, you can't say you love God uh, whom you've not seen. And then you say you, you, you dis demonstrate hate for your sister and brother who you see every day. That's a distortion of Christianity or whenever we elevate an elected official um, above our, our, the incarnational reality of God, the Emmanuel God with us, that's a distortion of Christ, Christianity. Or whenever we uh, uh, demonize others, uh, we do the we embrace xenophobia uh, and we stamp a label of uh, Jesus on that. Uh, that's a distortion. I think that it's not just King, but I think there's a uh, there's a uh, in many faith traditions, there's this notion that that the world that we want to have is a world that includes um, 
attention to the common good for all people, particularly people who are most vulnerable. So I'm, in, I'm encouraged by even uh, our new president work he's done almost in the first hours of his presidency, because uh, if, if, as he is, as he has uh, indicated, you know, if we raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, that's going to raise uh, some say 4 million people out of poverty almost, almost immediately. So those are the kinds of things that make sense um, uh, for those of us who would advocate for a beloved community where people are uh, embraced uh, for who they are and respected because we all have been made in the image of God. So I, I think this is something, a uh, beloved community is something worth pursuing. Uh, I had an opportunity day before yesterday to participate in an interfaith prayer service at the state capitol at the invitation of persons who were not Christian. I mean, persons who were from other faith traditions. Uh, and we had at least eight different religious experience, religious uh, expressions represented there and all gave witness to uh, some version of the beloved community uh, where people are uh, judged by the character, their character, not their color or their pocketbook, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, Bishop, I know that you have to go pretty soon, but is there anything else you wanted to ask Susan uh, to reflect on? Well, I'd, be, uh, I'd like her to maybe reflect on uh, what, what she's hopeful about. I, I like to borrow Bishop Desmond Tutu's word. I'm a prisoner of hope. So uh, I'm a great, and I'm also a grandfather as you are bra- grandparents. I don't know if Susan, you're a grandparent yet, but, but, but I, being a grandparent uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, made me, uh, uh, again, uh, remind me that I'm a prisoner of hope. And my, our granddaughter, she is just, she will sing at the drop of the hat. hat. Uh, she speaks to everybody and she doesn't hesitate. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I wonder uh, what happens uh, that we spoil uh, or, or that, we, that we introduce uh, that which is not God-given uh, to children um, and allow them to to be raised in such ways that they that they that they become corrupted, if you will, by the sins of our our society. But I am hopeful, and I'm hopeful because people are still answering the call to God, answering the call to serve. And, and I, I, I quote, uh, it was quoted earlier today, but I didn't hear the full address at the inauguration. But it was said several times that the our current president. Uh, Biden said, enough of us can carry the rest of us. And that encouraged me, Brad. That means everybody doesn't have to catch the vision. But if enough of us catch the vision, I think anti-racism, the end of poverty, the end of hunger, those kinds of things can happen. If enough of us uh, catch a vision, we can carry the rest of us. So, Susan, what do you think? How do you respond to Bishop's call to what do you see as signs of hope? Absolutely. I mean, how can you be Christian and not be hopeful? (laughs) If our Easter faith (laughs) means anything, it means that we are eternally hopeful. Um, The other quote from yesterday that was just so beautiful was um, from uh, Ms. Gorman in her poetry. And she told wasn't she amazing? (laughs) Unbelievable. Just stunning. Yes. And her quote about brave enough to see the light. um, think that is the heart of the Christian message um, and that hope is always alive in us 
and even when it gets um, shadowy, it is still there. So um, hope is worth living for and hope is worth dying for. And I do think that um, that is who we are. Yes. Well, appreciate uh, these words of hope and grace and uh, just some tremendous uh, things here to hang on to. Now, I think the point we want to kind of conclude with here is that, yes, the, we've had some a really difficult year and we're still in the midst of lots of challenges, you know, racially, the pandemic, all the things you mentioned, their hunger, the environment, the economy, all those things are tough. And yet we in the church are about hope. We're about a God who's bigger than all these things and that there is a light and that uh, we are following people of the light. So I just want to thank uh, both of you for being our guest today on the United Methodist People podcast, because it's all about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So, Bishop, uh, Bishop Trouble, thank you for being Bishop, being with us, and uh, Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow, General Secretary of the Board of Church and Society, thank you for being our guest today on the United Methodist People podcast. I know that you will join me in being very thankful and grateful to Bishop Julius Trumbull and the General Secretary of the Board of Church and Society, Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow, for stepping forward and sharing their thoughts, and their responses here today on the United Methodist People podcast, episode number 42. You can just get the understanding that they, that they, the heart and the passion they have of responding to the circumstances we find ourselves in in our world right now. The events of January 6th were cataclysmic in so many ways of understanding how we can uh, be impactful upon our American way of life. And we in the church have to respond to this. It's good that our leaders, Bishop Trimble, and General Secretary Susan Henry Crow have responded to that by the article that uh, Bishop Trimble wrote about a letter to, to Martin Luther King Jr. and by the response that General Secretary Susan Henry Crow wrote uh, regarding former President Trump about uh, barring him for public office. We'll have links to both of those articles as well as a full transcript of our conversation today at the United at UnitedMethodistPodcast.com and it'll be slash zero four two you can find it there just i wanted just to respond to you with you just a minute as a local church clergy person myself and as one in trying to make sense of this happening on january 6th of how we can respond ourselves i hope that you heard bishop trimble talked about about the needing to recapture what ml king jr talked about about the blessed community and by the place to share decency about a replace of sisterhood and brotherhood and where people can share life and have share life and, and share uh, everything together. And that in that place, there is no place for what uh, Bishop Trouble called distorted Christianity. I think we saw, have seen way too much distorted Christianity in the, in the response that some people had who proclaimed Christ and had Christian slogans and whatnot who attacked the Capitol. I just don't see it. I don't see where the place is for that. To me, that's distorted Christianity. And I heard a little bit of that, about that from uh, Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Curl's response when she talked about misappropriated faith. That's kind of a mangled Christian message that is sometimes used, twisted around, among other things, 
to support a white supremacist agenda. There is no place for that in the United Methodist Church in any Christian agenda. But I also hope that you heard from, from, from Bishop Trimble and from Reverend Dr. Susan Henry Crow, uh, signs of hope, signs of hope that we as a church are coming together and we can respond to these things. And part of the role here, friends, is for you and me as United Methodist clergy and United Methodist Christians to respond in kind in our community to build the beloved community and to reject the forces of evil. Uh, Bishop Trimble called upon us to remember our baptismal covenant to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Uh, Reverend Dr. Henry Crow pointed to the incredible poem that Amanda Gorman uh, shared uh, as a part of the inaugural events that were just a point of light and life and, and hope in the midst of dark times where she talked, where she was a young person, 22 years old, and speaking a word of wisdom to all of us, and asking Americans to be brave enough to see the light and to move out of the shadows into the light. So there is opportunity. There is places for us to be here. And of course, that the light of Jesus Christ is always worth living for and dying for. And let us be true to absolute Christian values and not let our any Christian values be faith misappropriated or distorted and how we as Christian and United Methodist clergy can respond to that. So my encouragement to you as a fellow United Methodist clergy person is to have our own dreams and to apply them to our own communities. You know, the, the bishop talked about responding to the I Have a Dream speech of Martin Luther King as not only leaving it just kind of an excerpt or kind of a, a, a soundbite, but applying it to our lives and to inspire justice and righteousness in our own communities of faith. And I think maybe if we apply it and live it out and be ones who call to for faith that is properly appropriated, not misappropriated, and for a faith that is not distorted, then we can speak a word of hope and vigilance and peace and justice into our world in whatever uh, forms it has there and have that dream lived out in our own communities. And maybe then we can be mindful of the words of Micah 6, 8, to actually do what the scripture says, and I quote, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? Close quote. Take the action of doing justice, have the empathy of loving with kindness, and be humble about it. So I think it's up to us to respond. And I found this powerful quote from, from John Wesley. And I want to leave it with you now. And I think it applies to us in the church who are living in the aftermath of January 6, 2021. Perhaps these words from John Wesley can help us in understanding what it means to live a life of peace and justice and hope. Here's what he says, and I quote from John Wesley. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace, close quote. It's been good to be with you here, friends, on this episode number 42 of the United Methodist People podcast. Until next time, this is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller from the United Methodist People podcast, encouraging you to always do all the good that you can. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. 
You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People podcast on the web at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and connect at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. And always do all the good you can.